How we doing? FT Live on a Monday. We're always all over the damn place. Kip, Kierzynski, you're back at home, uh, AJ. It's been a minute, huh? It's been, uh, last night was the first night I spent in my own bed since three weeks ago. Wow. Did, did you like hold it tight and say I missed you? <laughs> no, my, my poor dogs, though, looked at me like they didn't know who I was, which was always fun. Ah, lovely. Well, I'm at Iona College. Uh, thanks to them for hosting me. I'll be speaking to the Bruce Beck Sports Broadcasting Campers after this, and one of them might sneak into the room at some point. Also, Kip, I don't know if you saw it, but we're at 10,000 subscribers on Valtteri's YouTube channel. So it's kind of a big deal because we've only been in existence for a few months. Bravo. Well done. Thank you. Credit, Thank credit, you. To, credit to you guys, you two especially. Credit to the social media team and yeah. the production staff behind the scenes, the whole deal, and for setting up awesome guests. So today, we'll talk to Russ Dorsey from Stadium for our usual hangout with him. And then in hour number two, Bobby Witt Jr. and Trey Mancini joining us on a Monday. Let's go. Uh, let's charge the damn mound right now. It is trade deadline season. This will be a topic of discussion every single day leading up to August 1st. So... I want to call this spreading rumors because most of what gets sent out into the social media world is actually just speculation. So let's spread rumors. Let's start with uh, Bruce Levine. He said the Toronto Blue Jays are showing strong interest in trading for Chicago Cubs starting pitcher Marcus Stroman. Um, and this coming from Daniel Greenberg. So a lot of the Chicago people that, AJ, you probably know better. Or well, I guess both of you have a lot of Chicago ties. You buying this one at all? Well, it came from Bruce Levine. It's probably not true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love you, Bruce, if you're listening. He's mad at me because he asked me to come on his podcast, and I didn't. So he came up to me and said, are you mad at me? And I was like, no, I'm Dude, not. Dude, go on his pod. What are you doing? I, dude, I haven't had time, bro. I just told you I hadn't been home for three weeks. What the heck? <laughs> uh, listen. The Blue Jays already had Marcus Stroman. Why didn't they just keep him if they want to trade back for him? Uh, I don't know. I mean, listen, Stroman's probably the top starting pitcher on the market, I guess, over – I don't know who even is close, but he'd be the top guy. So every team that needs a starter, Baltimore, Toronto, you name the teams, they're all going to try and be in on Stroman for a rental and see who can get him. Uh, that's why guys like – you know, you look at like a Giolito or <coughs> someone like that that can possibly be dealt, but no one's sure yet. They're going to get more than I think teams think because there's not a lot of people out there that are saying this guy can make a difference. But Stroman is probably the one guy that can make a difference. Kip, your thoughts? I think there's a lot of familiarity there. Uh, I think that's why they're connected. Um, I think he was a, he obviously didn't burn any bridges leaving there. I think he holds Toronto high on his list of places he'd go if he wants to go to a contender. Um so they'd love to have him back. They know they can count on him. He'd be he'd fit right back in. I'm sure he knows a lot of the guys who are still there already. Uh, so yeah, I think that's a good fit both ways. I thought he left. Didn't he? I thought he left on bad terms. No, did he? I thought it was. I thought it was just free agent heading elsewhere. Uh, no, he, he was traded to the Mets. But th does that mean bad terms? No, that's I'm just saying. Terms. But I thought I I don't know how I I thought I I could be way wrong. Free agent was uh, the Cubs. Excuse me. Yeah, he went to, from the Mets to the Cubs yeah. as a free agent. But I thought when he left, he was like, they didn't, I don't know. I, mean, I Listen, I could be way off, but I thought I remember something about he was mad they traded. Listen, everyone's mad when you get traded the first time, but I thought there was something there. But uh, listen, maybe you not. May, maybe you may not. Be right. Yeah, you may be right. Uh, but in terms of like the fan base and everything else, I think they there's a mutual appreciation both ways. And, and oh, we'll we, have both, the, we both uh... could be wrong. 
we'll, we'll have the the staff behind the scenes look up if there indeed was any beef. I mean, AJ, you wouldn't be totally off the mark. It's no secret that Marcus Stroman is outspoken and he is going to sometimes tell it like it is. And if he didn't like how a team treated him, he certainly won't hold back. So let's see. We'll, we'll find that out. Well, I'll say this. I'm just checking about it. He, they traded him in 2019. Okay. After 2019, we well, didn't pitch in 2020 because of COVID. Okay, fine. Uh, and then, the, and then the, this is on Jay's journal. They're talking about how the Blue Jays won the deal. Um, Anthony Kay and Simeon Woods Richardson. I never heard of either one of them. So I don't. I think the Mets won the deal because they, they said that that they won the deal. Is that a recent article or is no, that? No, no, no. This is August 10, 2020, when he opted, yeah. when he opted out. Uh, but it's still it's funny that you know. How it? Oh man, the Jays won because Stroman didn't pitch in 2020. Well, Mets will, you know, he did he did all right for them, and then now the Cubs obviously will take him. But it's just funny how it changes. Also, they didn't have to pay him in 2020 because he didn't pitch. And and you're right, those prospects have not panned out so far. So they should probably take that article down. You are correct though. He, uh, this from an article, oh, multiple articles here, Yahoo, Bleacher, etc. He slammed the front office about five days after being traded and did not have the smoothest exit, publicly criticized the front office after being dealt. So I, that's I, what I thought. But he, I re, okay, I retract. <laughs> but I, he did say, like, Toronto, I love you forever. He said a lot of the right things to the fans. But, yes, I remember him leaving the front office. Now, it's a different front office than it was back then. So I No, think, no, it's not. I think, it's that, not? I think, that, I think that's what I, I remember I, more. I it's Ross it's, Atkins. It's, yeah. Oh, I thought he was sorry. I thought, my bad. Then you're right, yeah. And Shapiro. I think it's it's the same two that have been there for a while now. So, okay. well, well, then here's the follow-up before we get to the Yanks. Does it matter? Like, if you're a front office and Stroh is talking shit, does it matter? You're saying no, Kip. AJ I'm, is saying mm. I'm saying it might matter a little bit, but I think it doesn't matter if he's the one guy you think that can help your – team kind of get over that hump in the playoffs you go get them you, you kind of eat your feelings the same way where if Stroman had a bad outing or a bad uh parting ways with that team you kind of swallow your pride a little bit and know that they give you the best chance to win a ring this year then he's going to go and pitch his heart out for him he's still a bit it's still a business yeah he's going to pitch his heart out either way he's a free agent at the end of the year so yeah he's going to yeah. pitch his ass off uh the, the thing where it matters to me is I want to if they do make a trade and the Blue Jays get him back, so they're going to have traded him away, got really nothing in return, and then they're going to trade. So basically, to get the same player, they're going to have traded prospects away to get Marcus Stroman back like four years later. That's what's that's what's going to be crazy is to see who they would have to give up to get him. And then they're going to say, well, we just could have kept Marcus Stroman for the last four years. Instead, yeah. they're going to get rid of him and have to give up players for him. Well, good news. The front office is now more mad at AJ than at Stroman. We're talking <laughs> about their last deal. Hey, one thing I don't have to worry about, is uh, I'm not going to play in Toronto anytime soon, so they're not making a trade yeah. for me. But again, have you ever heard of the two guys they traded for? No, him? no, I, you're, you're no. they never made it. So that did not work out so far. Um, as far as I know, Simeon Woods Richardson still working his way towards uh, trying to be a big leaguer. But no, that trade has not worked out for the Toronto Blue Jays by any means. You're right, accurate. All right, let's get to the Yankees. So I want to show these back to back. First off. Uh, they're closely monitoring the corner outfield market. I think that's pretty obvious. Mark Feinstein talking about names, though. Cody Bellinger seems like a natural fit. Another name that has come up per sources, Randall Gritchick of the Rockies, the team that just took two of three from the Yanks, an impending free agent making a little more than $3 million. 
for the rest of the season and then goes on later to say it has been well documented that the Yankees are seeking corner outfield help by the deadline. But according to sources, they're also seeking to upgrade catching, starting rotation and back end of the bullpen in the next two weeks. Wow, Kip, the Yankees are going to have zero minor leaguers left by August 2nd. They're looking to uh, have a completely different team going into the playoffs. That's what it sounds like. Get, upgrade every position. That's the nice part of playing in New York and uh, being able to always be buyers instead of sellers, I guess. Jeez. Is Randall Gritchick uh, an upgrade, though, over what they have? I, I love Randall Gritchick. Great guy. I played with him in St. Louis. But is he really an upgrade over the judge comes back, Bader, Stanton? I mean, is he an upgrade? That, that, they always want left-handed hitters in New York, and that's been their biggest thing. They don't have any lefties. They've got Stanton, Judge, Torres, Donaldson is on the aisle. They have Rizzo is a lefty. But the rest are all right-handed hitters. You want left-handed hitters in New York, especially in Yankee Stadium. That's why it makes more sense. 100%. But just to yeah. float names out there, then they're like, oh, we're going to go get a catcher. Who are they going to get? Wilson Contreras as a catcher? I mean, Salvador Perez. <laughs> hey, what is crossing? Hey, guys, I'm not going to New York. <laughs> hey, uh, it would be a cool addition for them. It's uh, not a bad it, idea. It, the name's been thrown out there, but he's got years left of team control. I, I think that's like the one dude that Casey's hanging on to. We can ask Tre- Bobby Witt later; he'll give us no answer on that. But you know, it's worth. We a could shot. try. Trevino, yeah. Trevino won the Platinum Glove last year. He made the All Star team. They're like, "Yep, you're shit canned." Uh, Higashioka has been like the career backup guy. Now eh, you're going to get shit canned too. We need better. <laughs> but who are they going to go get in the middle of the season? We've already talked about how hard it is for catchers to switch teams in the middle of the year, especially starting catchers. Who's out there that if you're a good team right now, your catcher's probably pretty good. So that's why it's like, wait, who are they going to go get? And what catcher starting pitching? Everyone's looking for that bullpen. Everyone's looking for that outfielders. Who's out there? We've, we've kind of chronicled it, but who's out there? I, I mean, that's the hard part is, there's so many teams that all need the same thing every year. Who's going to be the one that's going to break and give up some? Maybe go get Juan Soto. He might be on the market they're talking about now. You, yep. could, do a, you could do a Cubs package for Bellinger and Jan Gomes or something. Not to say that, like, I just – that's you get a two-for-one there. Yeah. No, that's a good name, Jan Gomes. Yeah. Um, somewhat close to league average hitter. Veteran, can learn the staff instantly. Hard worker, yeah. well-liked. I agree. That's a that's a good name to throw out there. Wait, are you talking agree. about Jose yeah. Trevino or are you talking about Young Gomes? Because it sounds like the same. You are correct. I Veteran, hard worker, be. learn the staff, yeah. okay hitter. In my mind, that should be the bottom of what we just talked about, okay? It's, it's that outfield bat that we're discussing. To me, next is a reliever, then a starter because you do have your one and two already, and then then a catcher. So if for Yanks fans, it's a win if you get one or two. Also, you just got to start hitting and, and get Judge back. Otherwise, they're going to be screwed regardless. I mean, they're in last place in the AL East right now. By the way, uh, Simeon Woods-Richardson, by the way, is pitching two games in the big leagues. Just FYI. That's, that's not, two more not, than you knew. Not for the Jays, though, for the Twins. That's why I never heard of him on the Jays. <laughs> he pitches for the Twins now. Oh, uh, was he in the Austin Martin deal, I want to say? Some, I, I can't do instant homework for you, but yeah, I, I yeah, but he he's pitched two games. Uh, he's zero and one with a six five two ERA, uh, nine innings, seven earnings, two homers. So there you go. The, the Jay's front office members texting me. We get it, AJ. <laughs> we sucked on that deal. We get it, okay, dude. I'm we're just, gonna try no. and get Stroman back. No, I'm just trying to. I want to clarify for for Woods Richardson. I'm not clear. And for me to make me look stupid, not them. I mean, every yeah, team no, makes every right. team makes Practice trades. Picks. Every team 
makes trades all the time, and Kip will tell you this. Everyone thinks, oh, this is the greatest trade ever. We won this trade. We got seven prospects. And then you're like, oh, wait. What, who, yeah. who? A lot of them don't make it to what people think they're going to be. I mean, look at – I mean, there's there's some trades recently that have happened that, you know, guys haven't become what they thought. And Agreed. Although, if you look back, and we'll get to it later, at what the Twins and Reds exchanged last year. I mean, Spencer Steer and Christian Encarnacion Strand, who we'll get to. Also, the Juan Soto deal. I think James Wood's going to be a superstar, and there's a few other good players – that were in that trade. Let's finish with Otani here for a minute. So it's funny seeing all of the insiders, not all, but many of the insiders throw things out there. Oh, I think they're talking to him now. And then I think Bob Nightingale yesterday was like, I will reiterate, Artie is not making that deal if they're good. And it was like when they were beating the Astros yesterday because they had won in that crazy game the day before. Then they end up losing, and then more insiders are coming out like, okay, let's talk Otani trade again. It's a it's a day-by-day situation right now. And I know actually, in, in, as far as our fans, a lot of Yankee fans have thrown out Otani. I think there are going to be more teams that have more to offer than the Yanks, AJ. Plus, I mean, this isn't going to hold anyone back, but they have Judge coming back from an injury. They have Stanton, who's, who's a DH often, and then you're going to have Otani, who's only a DH. It's just it's not the best fit right now until you kind of tinker around. If I'm the Yanks, I don't I don't know if this is a World Series winning team right now. No, it's it's not. That's no. why they're looking to trade up their whole team, Kip. That's why, <laughs> and before we get into this whole, exactly. we're going to hit on Otani with Russ Dorsey later. Buster Olney last night on what 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 are you asking Phil Nevin during the game? Did you guys see that? He no. literally said to Phil Nevin during the in, in-game interview, are you guys going to trade Otani? He asked the manager of the Angels during a game whether they are going to trade Otani or not. I get it's the question we need answered, but what's Phil Nevin going to say? We're trading him tomorrow to the <laughs> to the Dodgers for five pro- – like, Phil Nevin's going to be like, no, we're not trading him. I don't know. That's not his job. But to ask him and put him on the spot like that, I just thought that was not a nice thing to do. What's going on? Russ Dorsey from Stadium. Join us. Joining us with the pretty background. Russ, good to see you, man. Let's keep the uh, Otani conversation going for a sec. So any updates? And do you also enjoy the entertainment of seeing all of the insiders kind of like throw random stuff out there game by game being like, he's going to get traded. Wait, they're they're decent and they're only like four games back. Now he's not going to get traded. Okay, now he is. Where are you? Where are you standing on what you're seeing right now? Because I think the game by game stuff's ridiculous, and I mean they're not making playoffs. I think uh, so. First things first, the 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 business of being an insider is really unique, right? Because you do have people telling you things very often, and things change by the day in baseball. And as we get closer to the deadline, in day to day, if a team wins, if a team loses, it's always going to change. Um, do I think the Angels were ever going to make the playoffs? No. I, I'd be lying to you if I told you I thought that they would. And it sucks because you have Mike Trout, who's been the best player of his generation, and Shohei Otani, who's doing things we've never seen done in the sport, and they haven't reached the postseason. And the analogy I like to use is Shohei is like a Ferrari. He's like having a Ferrari. He's one of one. But you know that in a couple of months, that Ferrari might get taken away from you. It might get repossessed. So do you trade in that Ferrari for a fleet of other cars that could be very serviceable to you, very nice cars, but it won't be your one-on-one Ferrari? And I think when you look at the Angels and where they are, if Shohei walks for nothing, it might be the biggest mistake we've ever seen. You can't let that guy walk out the door without getting anything in return. Kit? 
Did we lose Kit? Nope, I'm here. Sorry. Oh, here. Put myself okay. on mute for a second. Um, <laughs> my question for you then is, at what point, with only making the playoffs one time with yeah. Trout, I think they're not – I'm with you. They're not going to make it this year. What does Artie where, – where does where's the line that he thinks, okay, now it's time to trade? What does he need to see? How many games back of the playoffs this year? Or where do you think the point will be that he reaches in and be like, okay, it's time to trade? Kip, you've been in the business a long time, right? Sometimes it's like hours before the deadline, right? Yeah. The day before where an ownership group, a front office will be like, you know what? It just doesn't, it's just not working. And you probably are starting to lean one way or another as we get a week or two before the deadline. But at the same time, maybe somebody comes in with an offer in the final hour that blows you away. That happens all the time where a team is saying, ah, we're probably going to end up keeping this guy. Another GM calls you back and is just like, hey, we'll throw in the guy that you want if we can make this deal happen right now. That's something to me that is always a possibility. I think for Artie Moreno, like, I think it is a, a pride thing at, at this point where it's just like, we got this guy. Well, you got him to come play for the Los Angeles Angels, brought him over from Japan. He's turned into everything and more that we thought he would be when he came over here. To give him away, it feels like the the biggest loss, right? And you had teams that called the Angels about him last year when they probably should have traded him with more uh, time of club control, but they didn't. And then this year you're like, oh, we got to, everybody's all in. We got to win. We got to win. We got to win. Trout, we got to win. How do we keep Otani? We got to win. And then the same thing happens at some point. It's very similar to what the White Sox have going in Chicago, where it's like you keep banging your head against the wall thinking that something is going to change. And it doesn't. Yep. Well, Russ, before we talk about how the White Sox are going to sign Otani in this offseason, I, I, <laughs> I, I, since you brought up the White Sox, I'm going to go there. Yeah. It's not going to happen. But I, we were, I was in New York all weekend talking to a bunch of people. And at the All-Star, we saw you at the All-Star game and t- having some conversations with people. And, and this, this question was brought up by me and other folks in the industry. Do you... When Otani becomes a free agent, whatever team signs him, Dodgers, Yankees, Red Sox, Cubs, Seattle, Giants, whoever it is, do you have to get a clause in the contract that says you have to pitch and you have to hit? Because what's stopping Otani from signing a $600 million contract, $60 million a year for 10 years, and then he goes a year and goes, I don't want to pitch anymore, I'm just a DH, and then that contract goes right to shit? Is that possible? It's really interesting. Uh, it doesn't seem like he would do that. But then again, you never know. It's I think the 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 unknown is something that makes us so curious. Let's I, say he blows I, his I, arm out again. Let's say he blows his arm out again. Let's say he hurts it. And I, God forbid. God forbid right. he gets hurt. But let's say he right. throws a ball in his shoulder and he tears his rotator cuff and he can't pitch anymore. Right? Now, now different than him saying, I don't want to pitch anymore. But he does that. Then that value, again, of two players for one – is gone. You're paying him $60 million a year to be a hitter and a pitcher, and that's gone. So, does, again, that's kind of why I'm like, do you have to put a like an option clause in there or an escalator or, or incentive-based stuff? It's going to be weird to see how a team financially handles this. Or, like, maybe that's where insurance comes in, right? 
Like we saw the, the Steven Strasburg deal uh, where my guy Jesse Doherty from the Washington Post reported that they didn't get that contract insured. With everything we had known about Steven Strasburg's history with injuries, they didn't insure his deal after they won the World Series in 2019, and they're going to be on the hook for that whole thing. I think the same thing would likely have to be sure, uh, insured with Otani's next deal. And yeah, the premiums are going to be through the roof, but this is a player that we've never seen before. But my th thought also on, like, if he blows out an elbow or a shoulder and he never plays again, wouldn't you then try to, for athletic as he is, for him being able to do as many things as we've seen him do, wouldn't you just try to play him in the outfield or put him at first base if that was but that's an not, option afforded to you? But that's not a $60 million a year player. You're Again, you're paying for two players, right, and one. For sure. That's the thing. And can you get insurance only on pitching? What happens if he's a DH and he hurts his elbow? Then do you – God forbid, then do you get insurance on the pitching because he didn't hurt his arm not pitching or he slides in the second and hurts his shoulder, right? There's there's so it's that's why it's so fascinating because there's so many ways you can twist and turn this and make it into a man, what if he does this or what if he and there's always these what ifs. And again, I don't want to see him get hurt. I want to see him keep doing what he's doing. But if, if I'm the owner of a team, again, if I'm Jerry Reinsdorf and I go, show hey, we're gonna sign you for 10 years, 600 million. But oh wait, we I need to I need some assurances that you're one you're going to pitch the whole time, and if you get hurt, how do we back it up? It's it's just it's fascinating. It's just can a I, fascinating problem. Can I jump in on that? I think Please. I think yeah I think that's the risk you take. Uh, a signing any player with injuries and all that stuff. Um, for us, AJ, that's the beautiful part about guaranteed contracts coming from the player. Yes, but and, the difference is, Kip, we're not gonna we never were gonna make as much. And there wasn't the two-way aspect, right? There wasn't the hitting and the pitching what makes it. That's why it's so crazy. Well, yeah, but okay, that's the risk you take. But then also the beautiful thing about Shohei is, let's say he has a, a shoulder strain and you don't get Shohei the pitcher anymore. Unlike any other player in the league, you still get value out of him because he can now still be the hitter for you. You still get half that player, half the guy you're signing for. Otherwise, if it's a pitcher with a shoulder strain, you don't get anything from him. With Shohei, you still get a powerful DH. I think that's where the risk becomes worth it, hopefully, for the contract. That's a good call because right now I wish, you know, Anthony Rendon could pitch for the Angels. <laughs> but, like, you can still get something out of him. Like, yeah, yeah you, get, you get something, but you don't get what you're paying for, you see? But I'm saying what if he doesn't get injured and after a year he's just like, fuck it. I'm tired of pitching. It's hard. It's wearing me out because he always says, like, pitching is yeah. harder than hitting. Man, my, I get blisters every time I pitch. Oh, my elbow's sore. Whatever it is. I don't want to pitch anymore. I just want to be a DH. And you're like, well, listen, dude, we paid you this amount of money to be both, and now you're just giving one up. There's no assurances, and I don't – again, I don't want to say he'll do that, but he could. You're absolutely right. That, it's, it's that's what I was – case. I was going to agree with Kip. It was like the, the calculated risk that you have to take. Like, we all know how amazing Shohei is, but you got to know, like, with any deal, like, the Angels giving Anthony Rendon what they gave him. Is that a risk? At the time, it looked like a pretty good bet. A guy who hadn't really been injured before, a guy who had been a, a really talented player and been on a World Series winning team. And then the guy comes to L.A. and he gets hurt very often, right? Mike Trout. You give Mike Trout over $400 million, the best player we've ever seen, first ballot Hall of Famer, if he stopped playing right now, and he signs that deal and he hasn't played a, a 149 games since 2016. It's part of the risk that goes into it. And so I think that teams that there's only going to be at what uh, a certain amount of seats uh, at the table for me, like talking to people around the game, there's only going to be so many teams that really get that true meeting 
the Shohei. And so if you're one of those teams, you got to know that there is going to be some risk that goes into it, whether he blows out his arm, whether he stops hitting, whatever. But you know, and I had a executive tell me this before the season started, you're signing a $300 million pitcher and also a $300 million hitter, which is why you get to the round number of $600 million. Um, but with that, you just have to know, hey, if this thing doesn't work out, it just it'll just be one of those things like, man, oh well, that sucks. Yeah, it's gonna really suck, especially when the White Sox sign them, and then they're like, man, we signed this guy and he quit <laughs> pitching because that would happen to the White Sox. On to Chicago. The, the, since you've already said now the White Sox are signing Otani. Thanks, Russ, for breaking. <laughs> Whoa, <in>. that is um, <laughs> AJ Pierzynski, not Russ Dorsey. I don't want Rick Hahn mad at me. No, nope, I was misquoted. <laughs> uh, take it out of context. Uh, which team in Chicago is going to make bigger moves of the trade deadline? Is Bellinger, Stroman, those guys gone lighter possibly, whoever else, Jan Gomes we mentioned in the show, or is it Giolito, Lynn, maybe? I mean, I don't know who all, who all Graveman possibly. I'm sure they'd love to get rid of some other guys, but who, which team is going to make the more impactful moves, not only for this year but for the future? My gut says – well, before, like both teams are basically in the same spot. The White Sox are eight and a half games back. The Cubs are eight games back. And I have them written down of guys that I think could be on the move. So you got Giolito, Lance Lynn, Kendall Graveman, Kenyon Middleton. Uh, people like to throw T.A.'s name in the mix. For me, if I'm looking at this situation logically with T.A. and the White Sox, it's like, all right, he has not had the typical Tim Anderson type of season. Wouldn't you rather have him? Stay in Chicago after the all uh, after the trade deadline, build up some of that stock again in the second half. And then if you wanted to move them, then you move them in the offseason to trade them right now when the value is so low and he's on a, a, such a team friendly deal. It wouldn't it wouldn't make sense. On the other side of town, you have a guy in Cody Bellinger that the Cubs front office took a gamble on. Right. Cody had been a, a below average big league player since he hurt his shoulder in the World Series. And they gave him $18 million to come play center field, to have no limitations, to say, hey, go be Cody Bellinger. And he's been able to do that and sustain that. And that, if you are the Cubs and say, all right, we're not going to be a better team than the Brewers or the Reds this season. Do we move Cody? You probably do. If you can get an offer that you think uh, fits where you are in your window, because the Cubs are still building, but they have a fan base that's also – like, hey, we, we've heard that for a while now, right? And if you're going to be the big bad Cubs that have this money and all this infrastructure around Wrigley Field and they're just putting up the sports book right next to the ballpark and Gallagher Way and all this stuff, you're seeing lots of money come into Wrigleyville, but you want to start seeing more of that being put back in the product on the field. Now, if Dansby, who was a big get for them this offseason, you bring in Jameson Tyone, you bring in Seiya Suzuki, you bring in Stroman, all right, those are great pieces for a team that clearly has shown it wants to be competitive, but you still at some point have to make that big move. So for this year, in 2023, I think the White Sox make more moves at the deadline, but I think the Cubs have to look at it in terms of 2024, which I believe would be their window to really start competing legitimately in that NL Central. Uh, Russ, Want to play along with the poll question here? Biggest buyers at the trade deadline, and, and feel free to elaborate, between Toronto, Milwaukee, Baltimore, Tampa Bay, and the Yankees. Now, for me, I want to say Baltimore, 
I just don't have faith in them making a ton of moves. I, they'll do something. But I just, based on what they've done the last few years and even just the last year when they've actually been good, it's hard for me to be like, wow, Baltimore is just going to steal the show at the trade deadline. So I actually voted for Toronto. What do you think? All right. I definitely want to hear what you guys think after I go. So Toronto uh, makes a lot of sense. I, I feel like I was a year early on the Blue Jays because I picked them to win the World Series last year. Obviously, they didn't get there. Uh, but I, I'm with you, Scott. I look at the Baltimore Orioles. They're one of the best stories in baseball to me this year because they're about to chase down the Tampa Bay Rays. And I don't think enough people are talking about that. The Rays were the hottest thing going in baseball for the better part of three months. And they hit an absolute cold stretch before the All-Star break. And the Baltimore Orioles were consistent. They were steady. And they are one game behind the Tampa Bay Rays for the top spot in the AL East. This is the time when you make your move. So you try, you're thinking about starting pitching, right? You maybe a, a Lucas Giolito, maybe it's Lance Lynn. Uh, I know Dylan Cease's name has come up uh, as, a, as a possible trade target. If I'm the White Sox, do I move Dylan Cease right now? Probably not. But you, you, if you're the Orioles, you got to set the bar high, right? Because you have an opportunity as a team who has the third best record in the big leagues right now to strike while the iron's hot. You're bringing up all these prospects. You have a, a catcher that can you know, manage a rotation and has shown leadership ability. You have a manager that guys believe in. And all these young guys coming up have all played together for a long time. This is the time if you're the Baltimore Orioles to go out with the prospect capital that you have and make a big move. See, I'm kind of leaning the other way on that one. I'm kind of going towards Toronto and Tampa just for the reason that I think Baltimore has started the process to be a really good team for a really long time. I don't want to give up what's still coming for them to sacrifice. I think maybe they're a year ahead right now. So I think Toronto and Tampa, who are set in their windows right now, those are the type of the teams that I want to see kind of go make that that move. Because not only do you make the move to win now, you probably also take the guy those teams wanted, whether it's the Yankees, whether it's the Baltimore. You kind of block them in the process, too. I think Toronto and Tampa are more of a piece away in their winning window than the Baltimore who are building something maybe over a, a few years right now. I, I, I agree with you, Kim. I, I, I understand that where you don't want to – you've – you were bad for so long to get yeah. all these guys. Don't ruin, bring, bring don't, it to ruin the, it. Yes, don't ruin it. Don't ruin <laughs> it. I'm with you. I'm with you. AJ? Um, I'm going – listen, I'm, I'm sick of Baltimore. I'm sick of Baltimore saying they're a year away. No, I'm serious because last year, no, oh, we're I ahead of schedule. Now this year, oh, we're ahead of schedule. Screw that. Go for it. Go get somebody. Go get some dudes. If you have a farm system as deep as everyone says the Orioles is, go out and get some dudes. If you're Tampa Bay, yeah, you make the playoffs every year. And guess what? Nobody cares and nobody comes to the games. Why? You got to make the final step. Win the World Series. Go out and get dudes. Toronto, I want all these teams to go out and get guys. Let's yeah. go. Make it crazy. Toronto, you haven't won in 30 years. Guess what? Go out and get dudes, right? Go out and make – again, prospects are only prospects until they become a player. Otherwise, they're all suspects as far as I'm concerned. Jeff Francoeur told me this in 20 – 13, 24, 12, 13, when he was on the Royals, he said, I'm so sick of the Royals having all these prospects. At some point, we got to turn these prospects into players. They did it a couple years later, went on and won the World Series in 2015. At some point, you got to make that step. Now, who's the GM that's going to be ballsy enough to say, I'm going to make that move? Will it be Toronto? Will it be 
Baltimore. Again, Baltimore hasn't won it forever. Dude, 40 years since they won a World Series, right? They got to go do it. And to me, that's the thing. Who's going to be the GM to do it? But I hope all these teams do it because I want teams to try to win. If I'm a fan and I'm sitting there and I'm a player on their team and I'm on the Rays and we go out and trade for, I don't know, whoever we trade for, it gives you hope. It gives you belief, right? So screw the teams that sit back. Like last year, the Orioles didn't do much and they were right there. Fuck that. Let's go, boys. Let's go get it. Because it, who knows what happens next year. Next year is next year. But let's year we're in it and we, we're going to chase the Rays down. Let's go take the next step. And, and unlike last year where you talk about Baltimore, they're in a different position, right? You trade Trey Mancini, who's going to be on the show a little bit later, and that made, that made sense, right? You allow Trey to go win a World Series with the Houston Astros in a year where they're realistic. They were like, all right, we're probably not going to be a true contender. But this year, with the circumstances that you have now, where you've shown that not only are you one of the best teams in the AL East, you're one of the best teams in all of baseball, Yes, you and and you have teams around the big leagues that aren't playing like we thought they would and might be sellers and there might be guys on the market that you didn't think would be available to you that you could make a deal for. Yeah, and you have a fan base that says, we lost 100 games for how long? Please do something where we can be excited about this team. Hey, Russ, before we let you go, before we jump, who's better than the Baltimore Orioles in the American League right now? I, based off of how they're playing, I say they're probably the best team in the American League. Then let's fucking go, boys. Let's go get somebody and no let's argument. make a run. Fair. They're, people ask me all the time, who's the best team you've seen? Atlanta? I haven't seen Baltimore, but I watch them on TV. They're exciting. They have young players. They got a great bullpen. Let's go. Get what you need and let's take a run. And if I'm an Orioles fan, I am putting pressure on the Angelos family. Let's go. Let's make a run this year. Let's clip that off, okay? And we'll show it to Trey Mancini. Um, so he can send it to his old fam and be like, Hey guys, um, you can need to send this to the front office so they can be aggressive and make moves. That is a motivating speech from a let's also not remember Baltimore's on national TV this week for the first time in like forever. So the public are taking notice of Adley Rushman and Bautista and Cano and Gunnar Henderson and Cedric Mullins and all these dudes. So it's not just us. The public are paying attention. No, you're right. Russ, great catching up with you. We'll grab you again later this week, hopefully to report on one of the Orioles trades. <laughs> Sounds good. Yo, before I go, Kip, I wanted to tell you, my mom was watching when we were in Seattle, and she wanted to tell me that she loves your necklace. Thanks, oh. Mama. Thanks, Mama. <laughs> I appreciate that. It is Thank real. You, it is gorgeous. And you'll get a lot more of that. Still another hour and 20 minutes to go on foul territory. Good stuff, Russ. I love that. Chain gang today. It's three out of four. Yeah. AJ, you're left out. AJ's you're not back. a pain guy. <laughs> it is now time to pop off thanks to Candy Pop. AJ, you're going to have to lead off for us. How was that Mets game on Saturday? <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you haven't seen the clip, uh, Joe Davis and I called the game on Saturday, and there was a pop-up, speaking of popping off, and Brett Beatty completely zooed it, and then it bounced up and hit him in the face. And a lot of run to score. Max Muncie, FT guy, got an RBI out of it. Uh, the thing is, is Joe Davis summed it up perfectly when he said the 2023 Mets season in one clip. And it was just one of those things that – they the two games in New York, Friday and Saturday, they were just awful. They couldn't score. They couldn't hit. They got four hits in two games from the Dodgers. Now, granted, they faced Arias. And they the second game, they got Gonsolin, who both are good pitchers. But they got four hits, one run. And just looked outclassed. Now, they won yesterday to make up for it. But, man, Mets, what are you doing? You have too many good players. You have 
Verlander, Scherzer, Lindor, Alonzo, Nimmo, all these guys that are names. What is happening in New York? And Steve Cohen, what are you going to do? Are you going to keep these guys and try to do it again? Or are you going to make some moves? And, and it's just a tough spot to be in. We talked about it in the game Saturday night, boys. If you bring them back, the same group of guys, are you in that middle ground where you have a high payroll but you can't compete? Or do you try to flip them all and start over? It sucks. It would suck to have $20 billion and be Steve Cohen and have to make these decisions. Kip, did you ever drop a pop-up like that? Probably. <laughs> I mean, yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, it reminds you of that uh, the Luis Castillo one from like 15 years ago, but not nearly as bad. It wasn't a walk-off. They were already losing the game. It's a tough position. First off, I don't think it would suck too much to be Steve Cohen with $20 billion. I think. <laughs> uh, he's going to be all right on that one. Um, it's To me, the question is not if you're going to be sellers. It's just how much of a seller are you going to be? Do you chalk this up to a bad year and try again with a lot of these good guys next year? If you sell one, do you sell all? Do you If you get rid of a, a Scherzer, does Verlander next to go? You got to keep something for next year to compete with. Um so I just I just don't know how much they're looking to get rid of, and I don't know how many teams are willing to take on some of these big uh, these big guys if they're not performing as well as they should be. Okay, so a few questions here. Number one, AJ, you're Steve Cohen now. I'm giving you twenty billion. What are you doing? What What are you doing with this team right now? I'm buying a big boat and I'm going out and I'm not watching the games <laughs> and I'm not worried about it. <laughs> are you doing that with the same general I'm like manager? This. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I, well, Stearns, right, is the one everyone keeps waiting for. When are the Mets going to They don't have him yet. So you're saying I you're going to bring someone else in? But do you want uh, – is it Epler, right? Epler's the GM now. Yes. Do you want him making the trades, or do you want to wait till the offseason and have Stearns, who you're allegedly not bringing in, but everyone knows you are, trying to get uh, – make the moves? But here's the question for you guys, and we asked this again on Saturday night. Who do they get rid of? Who can they move? Can yeah. you move Lindor? Can you move no. Verlander Scherzer? Can you move Alonzo? Can you move Nemo McNeil? Who can you move and get? Yes, Canna, sure. Tommy Pham's having a great year, sure. David Robertson, absolutely. You're not going to get huge stars back for those in big halls. But the other guys, who who can you move and who wants them is the other problem because these guys are locked into long-term expensive contracts. So what actually assets do you really have? I think Pham and Robertson are my first two I would go to. Um, I think those guys can help teams. Uh, I tried, I look at the Nimmo McNeil's first because I think you, Lindor and Alonzo are cornerstone pieces or in the sense where those are guys you build around. I think the other ones, great ball players. And that's why I think you can get the most back for them. But I just don't know. I don't see them trading their big, uh, face of the franchise guys. You guys are wild. Brandon Nimmo just signed like a seven year deal. He's my not point. getting dealt. Lindor actually, is on a massive deal years-wise. I said no. Don't make, right. You said Nimmo, and who was the other one you said that was a longer-term guy? McNeil. McNeil. These guys are have years and years left. I mean, I think both sides, it's going to be very difficult to pull off trades like that. When you're doing trades mid-season, they're usually deals for players that have no more than like three years of control left. Fam seems like a no-brainer to me. Oh, I think he's no, he's playing 100%. so well, and that team will see that's a one. He's one-year deal, right? With them, mm-hmm. one or Fam, two. yes. Fam yeah, is perfect. a free agent after this year. Mark a free agent after this Robertson. year. David Robertson, free agent after those this year. Those three are gone. Those two, you might as well just yeah, go ahead and chip them off. Mm-hmm. Where it gets interesting to me is after that. I mean, also you could make a case for like Brooks Raley, maybe Carrasco. I don't know. But then the the real story here 
is Verlander and Max because they're still on short enough deals. It's just that they're not pitching amazingly and they are so expensive. To me, and they have Verlander, no, trade, no chance. But they have no, and they have no trade clauses. For me, though, I think Max Max would say yes. If he gets on a roll the next few starts, don't you think he wants to pitch for a winner? This dude wants to win as much as anyone. Not saying Verlander doesn't, but Max is only this year and, and next year. Verlander, I think, is one more after that, right? I thought he signed a two-year deal. Is he two years also? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I don't know. I could see it. I could see Max saying, okay, let's do it. Word um, on the street in New York amongst the writers, and, and this is the writers only. Yes. Max would say yes. Verlander really likes it in New York. Don't think he would say yes. Now, this is not based on anything other than talking to writers in New York while I was there this weekend. That Verlander was just got there. Okay. That's but cool. But he really yeah. likes it there. He really likes it. His wife's happy there. He's happy there. Max would be, they think, would be more inclined, let's say, to waive his no trade and go somewhere else. Easy. Not that he doesn't. Show Walter go. Not, I don't think during the season. I, I think it'll. they're, they're going to do a, an off-season of Stearns is in, picks his own manager, and they just they press the reset button. They start Does Craig Council follow him? That was also a name that was talked mm, about. I like Ooh. that. I like that. Okay, let's swing back. We'll give you our picks for tonight and then uh, keep an eye on what we've got in hour number two. But first off, visit cookiepopcandypop.com. Enter code FOULBALL for 20% off and always pop off with us. Bobby Witt and Trey Mancini coming up too in hour number two. I want to start off with the National League Central because the Milwaukee Brewers destroyed the Reds this weekend. Now, some of the games were close, but the pitching just owned some bats that had been lighting it up. It it seemed like they were kept lethargic to start the second half of the season. Happens. Um, Listen, the season's so long, you're going to have some series where your bats just don't show up. Unfortunately, it was versus the people you're competing with in the division right now on top of it. Uh, if you got to be feeling pretty good, though, if you're Milwaukee to go in there and win a series the way they did where uh, Burns and them just absolutely took it out of their hands and just took control of it for them. So that was a big series for Milwaukee. Milwaukee's built on their pitching, right? Yeah. They're starting pitching yeah. Burns, Woodruff, Peralta. Hauser had a great start for them. Here's the thing. The, the Brewers went 3-0 and in that series, struck out the Reds 37 times in three games, Okay. Ellie, Scott's guy, didn't have a hit, right? First game 0 for 4, three punchies, and 0 for 4, 0 for 4 with only a couple. So he was 0 for 12, five punchies, didn't get on base in three games. What did they do to the Reds? They didn't throw them strikes. And these are veteran guys. They know the Reds are going to chase. And yeah. Strand, uh, uh, Steer and McLean and De La Cruz, these guys chase. So what did they do to these young guys? They just didn't throw them strikes, and they chased. They wouldn't take walks. They wouldn't accept their walks. Burns, who, who was like fainted on the mound, he said, lost his vision for a moment. Everything went blurry. Guess what he did? He six innings, thirteen punches. Right? Like it, it was. It was a master class and a veteran staff toying with the young Reds. And this was the worry. Remember when Scott said Ellie De La Cruz is going to come up be the best player in the world? And we all said, Whoa, let's slow down. Strikeouts are a problem. And he's been great. He's Don't get me wrong. He's been unbelievable. But strikeouts are a problem, not only for him, but for this team. And now they're calling up Encarnacion uh, Strand, right? And he's got the longest name on his back. It's like you have to make a full circle. But where's he going to play? And the timing of them doing this is interesting. They just got swept. It seems like every time they need a jump start, they call up one of their prospects. And here it is again. They get swept by the Brewers calling him up to give them a more another shot of energy. So good job for the Reds in the call-up. Bad job this weekend, and great job by the Milwaukee Brewers veteran starters. 
Encarnacion Strand is just going with Encarnacion, I believe, on the back of the jersey, if that helps. That's because he couldn't fit. Spring training. Yeah, couldn't fit. Just let Strand below the number. I think it would have been awesome to to put the whole thing, put the pressure on MLB. Hey, put that whole damn thing on the back of my uni. But oh, sorry, AJ. Ellie's back hurts because he's been carrying the team too much. He's allowed to have an off series. Sorry about it. OPS still above eight hundred, and he steals every base that he wants. Listen, they're one of their, yeah, they're a real fun team where when everything's going right, they're one of the more exciting lineups to be around Cincinnati or to watch because they can kind of beat you in every direction. But that's a real problem. If the swinging and chasing, uh, teams are going to obviously picking up on that. And Milwaukee did a great job of capitalizing on that. But you got to that's a real problem to see how they adjust to that. Um, let's get in the weeds for a few minutes before we bring on Trey Mancini, one of the nicest dudes in the game. So I do want to try to jump i want to get these in here first so i i would like to jump to the rookies so we'll start with grayson rodriguez kyle glazer from uh, baseball america has a little report for us on how grayson's been doing down in the minors remember he was called up early this season stuff wise one of the best prospects out there and he's been highly rated for a while now for baltimore but it was not there for him early on so they sent him down and Kyle is going to run us through what we should expect from Grayson Rodriguez on his second go-round. Scott, the return of Grayson Rodriguez and how much he's improved is going to be one of the key storylines to watch for the Orioles in the second half. Rodriguez has always had really good stuff, but he really struggled with his command in his big league debut. He walked far too many batters, and when he was in the strike zone, he left way too many pitches up over the plate and got crushed. Opponents hit 292 off of him, and he had a 7.35 ERA in 10 starts. Rodriguez went back down to AAA with explicit instructions to work on his command, and by all accounts, he made the strides needed. He was noticeably sharper with his fastball working the edges of the strike zone, and he was much more pitch efficient. As a result, we started seeing him pitch much deeper into games. Rodriguez pitched six innings in five of his seven starts at AAA Norfolk. That's an important number for him. Prior to that, he had only completed six innings twice in his previous 15 starts there. We saw the best version of Rodriguez yet. Everything was sharper, getting swings and misses with all three pitches, pitching deeper into games. If that version holds, he could be a big boost to the Orioles here in the second half and stay in the majors for good. Yeah, great. Whoop-de-doo. You know what they don't have in AAA Norfolk? They don't have Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, Max Muncy, J.D. Martinez, the first five hitters you face. You're facing Scott Braun, Mark Wiener, Claudia Olson, and some other guys in AAA that aren't quite the same. So, uh, listen, no offense to the guys in AAA, but, yeah, of course you're going to be sharper and you're going to throw more strikes because you ain't facing the best dudes in the world. You're not facing Mookie to lead off. You're not facing Freddie. You're not facing Will Smith. You're not facing Max Muncy. Then you're not facing J.D., your first five hitters. So, yeah, it's easy to go down there and say, oh, work on command, throw more strikes. Yeah. Now I'll be interested to see. If he comes up tonight and does it, I tip your cat, Grayson Rodriguez, go for it. I hope you have a great career. But, yes, there is a difference between AAA and the big leagues. There's a reason why that is the hardest jump to make from the minor leagues to the big leagues. Stadium's bigger, lights are brighter, and guess what? The players are just better. Also, like, he did say publicly, Kip, that he was tipping pitches when he was optioned first time around. Well, so that's just gonna be a that big thing. And if he even go, creeps near that, teams are going to be ready and probably spot that. But I love the conviction of our locks of the day. I love that this is the guy we <laughs> just bet against. That I have the money line Dodgers and <laughs> the over. So we're not wavering. We love the reporter. We wish him the best, and uh, we hope he figures everything out because we like watching Baltimore succeed. But uh, I'd like you to figure it out maybe after the start. Also. Um, <laughs> 
how, how do you say it? N-O-R-F-O-L-K. Norfolk. 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 So you basically say fuck when you say the city. Is that Norfolk. true or no? Norfolk. Because I, I, I said it, okay? So I was when I was on MLB back in the day, and I said it for the first time when they were like, and he's been optioned to AAA. I was looking down at a piece of paper um, that a player had been sent down, Norfolk. And I was like, I just say it's, fuck. It's a cool stadium. The ball just goes nowhere at night. Goes right out in the water. Water kind of blows in, but otherwise, it's. I like the stadium. Oh, so a great place to uh, not a, a great place going great for, place, but it's uh, it's just a good atmosphere. Like the crowd is good. No, great place for pitcher confidence. Oh yes, yes, yes. at night. Excuse me. Yes. Okay. Cool. Um, let's also get to the other debut coming up. As we mentioned him earlier, Christian Encarnacion Strand coming to the Cincinnati Reds tomorrow. JJ Cooper from Baseball America. Your thoughts. The Reds have called up Christian Encarnacion Strand, which another rookie who joins uh, an absolutely bountiful rookie class for the Reds that starts with Billy De La Cruz, but Matt McClain, Spencer Steer, many others. So what are the Reds getting with Encarnacion Strand? Well, they're getting a, a guy who hits the ball extremely hard with an extremely aggressive approach that a lot of people logically would say shouldn't work, but has. He is one of the most aggressive, one of the best bad ball hitters in the minors. And you could say, okay, well, that's going to come back and hurt him. But Encarnacion Strand can rightfully say, well, it has it so far. He's hit 300 everywhere he goes. And when I mean everywhere, I mean AAA, AA, everywhere in the minors, going back to Oklahoma State, going back to Juco when he was playing a junior college ball. Everywhere he's gone, he's always hit 300 or better. And he's hit for power. Now the Reds are going to see if that translates to the big leagues. And he's up. He's called up today. So I'm looking at um, our guy, C. Trent Rosecrans from The Athletic. He said he'll play both corner infield spots and DH. So he's at third when India is the DH with De La Cruz at shortstop and McLean at second. He'll play first when Votto's at DH with De La Cruz playing third and Matt McLean playing second. So you give yourself more flexibility more depth, and obviously Votto at this stage in his career is not going to play every day. So I know you guys were saying, "Where is he going to play?" I feel like if he hits, they're going to figure it. They're going to figure it out. A good player to have, and the flexibility really plays into his favor and the team's favor. Always, that's why you see teams gravitating towards guys who can play multiple positions. Of course, if you hit, you'll they'll find a yeah. place for you. It doesn't yeah. matter. You can play. They'll put him at catcher if he can hit. They'll just like we need offense, especially after the three games we just saw in Milwaukee or against Milwaukee, but. Listen, again, it goes back to what I said earlier. It's timing for me. They're, they just lost three. Guess what they want to do? They want to give themselves another shot of energy. So what do they do? They call up one of their top prospects, Ellie, McLean, Steer. They're like, oh, man, we played with this dude. We know this dude. Oh, he's here? All right, yeah, let's go. And even some of the veterans, like Joey Votto, was like, all right, another young guy. Let's see what he's got. So I, I like the move. I hope he does well. It just, you know, is it enough? And the thing with him is the, the strikeouts have gone down in the minors. The walks have gone up this year. The chase rate's gone down. So he's made those improvements that's earned him this spot. We'll, we'll get into more on Encarnacion Strand once we see him tonight in action. All right, let's move to an interesting topic here. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash FT live and get on your way to being your best self. I want to cover the comeback attempt for Dallas Keuchel right now um, as he's going through it. He 
went to driveline, one of the guys that's trying to get, you know, a little more velocity, a little more information on pitch shape and everything else. Probably first when he came up to the bigs, there wasn't a ton or as much information available. And now there's probably too much information available. But I mean, like Kip, you can start here. I know we had spoken in the past where you're like, hey, I want to give this one more shot. And how do you deal with the late stages of your career from a mental component when maybe you're not performing as you did years prior and you have to mess around with some minor league action? Uh, I, I'll say this. I love what he's doing. Uh, I know Dallas a little bit. I've golfed with him before. Um, when you get to the real late stages, when you're past the one where your body's not doing what it used to do or it doesn't feel the same way and it's just stuff's not clicking, he's already past that and he's wor still working at it. So while I sit here and say that I got to those stages and then – like the COVID and the lockout and all this stuff. And now I'm not playing Dallas. Keep going for as long as you can, because stuff like this podcast or stuff will be waiting for you afterwards while you still can play, keep playing the game. Um, so I've, I've always been rooting for him and I love seeing what he's doing. And I, the biggest stat I've noticed from that we, I think we saw today was first off velocity's never been his game. Uh, but the swing and misses I'm seeing now that he's getting down there again, triple a, we talked about it earlier. Um, He's, he's a pitch-to-contact guy, and if he's getting swing and misses still, uh, I, I think we're going to see him pretty soon uh, up top in a Twins uniform. AJ, I think he's trying to give away your job. He's like, yo, foul territory will be there for you soon. He can take my job. I'll go to the golf course, but I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> <laughs> a little regret that you might have of like that I always have if I'm watching a game and I'm like, is it still? could I still be playing or something like that is the reason I say to Dallas, keep going, brother. You're, it's awesome what he's doing. AJ, did you deal with pitchers that were trying to make it back? Like, have you come across players that were in Dallas's situation, specifically from the pitching side too, because that can really hit you in one start where all of a sudden you're like, damn, I'm not getting whiffs anymore. Oh, yeah, it happens quick too. Your yeah. end comes quick. The, the beginning is to build, to build, to build, and then it goes, it's over, right? Uh, the thing about Dallas is, like Jason said, it's not the velocity. It's about movement with him. And to see the swing and misses is encouraging. I think Dallas has been around enough to that he knows how to, to play with hitters and how to toy with them and use his stuff now. I think it's more of like a Zach Grinky type thing where he's not throwing as hard, but he needs to reinvent himself. And whatever he was doing before wasn't working. And so now he's down there and he, you take a step back and you say, all right, what? All right, can I still do this? Now he came back and now he's pitching and he's doing well. And he's made adjustments. I don't know exactly the pitches or what he's throwing or how he's throwing it, but I guarantee you he made some adjustments and he's learned to pitch differently even than what he did a couple years ago. So I hope he makes it back. I hope he does Hope he does really well if and when he gets back. And, uh, you know, maybe, like we said, he used to pitch for the White Sox. The White Sox got rid of him. So if he's a twin and he gets pitched against the White Sox, there'll be a little more fire in, yep. in his belly when he faces him. I like it. Yeah, we'll keep following it. We'll see if he makes it back up. Of course, t sometimes you're just riding – the injury wave too. I mean, if there's enough pitching injuries in the right organization where you're at, you're going to get the call up, right? If you're pitching well enough in the minor league, some of it's timing. So we'll keep well, some teams like veteran guys too, especially yeah. down the stretch. Yep. Yep. That's true. Right. You bring up a rookie. He could be shook at this time of year if he's pitching for a contender. Some aren't, but some do. Um, so we'll keep an eye on Dallas and also just want to remind anyone that, you know, if, if you need help with, life balance, if you're kind of caught up in whatever's going on in your life and you need someone to talk to, BetterHelp is there for you. And we showed you uh, a code to get involved early on too. But if 
you're not spending enough time thinking about yourself and where you're at, therapy can be a helpful tool for you uh, to balance in life. So uh, if um, you haven't give, given therapy a try, go for it. Um, it's There are many helpful tools that you can learn, um, positive coping skills, how to set boundaries, um, being the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's, it's all online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. We're all busy as hell. So this is a great way for you to be involved and, and get someone um, on board to speak with without having to like travel to them or adjust around their schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and, and you can also switch therapists anytime, no additional charge. So find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash FT Live to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H E L P.com slash FT Live. Therapy is awesome. Yes. That. Therapy's there you go. Uh, You've been going for years, no? Oh, yeah. Well, not yeah. for about a year or so now. Okay. Or maybe a little bit longer. Yeah. To like you said, like I was just kind of hinting with the Dallas thing where it, like it took time to accept retirement, to accept the change in your life and kind of get over that process. Therapy absolutely helped me. So right. I, I encourage it. Agreed. Yes. Doing the same. And I've um, spent some time with, with uh, on the better help app and speaking to someone as well. So um, anyone in the chat, if you need more information, hit us up and now let us slap hands. Shout out from me to Iona College for hosting me today. Um, whether he likes it or not, I'll be back in Orlando with AJ tomorrow. <laughs> Ooh. You're the thumbs down guy. Okay. You missed me. Whatever. Um, I'll be talking to a bunch of broadcast campers in just a sec. And then we did have people yelling at Ruganetto door. Do we, do we still have that? There we go. <laughs> For the podcast listeners, this isn't sound. It's just two young Phillies fans after a door struck out, just representing Philly to their finest right sure is this not philly sports work? fans to a t uh it is if i'm philly. them i'm okay though kip but you're right you're right i mean you've got the the, the classic move to rugnad but i feel like you know the eight-year-old girls are in a safe spot i'm just saying you never know philly fans do enjoy yelling at philly players so i just did was want to make sure it was at Rugi. yes right i think it was at Rugi. no 100 <laughs> yeah. percent Good stuff. All right. Well, appreciate everyone for listening today. Um, Kip, good stuff out of you today, man. We'll see Thanks, you soon. Sir. Yes, and, sir. Uh, AJ, get ready for me. You got me for like a whole three He's days. Make I'm, room, baby. I'm leaving town tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not coming. Uh, a lot more for you tomorrow. We'll post some of the guests tomorrow morning before we start up on FT Live. Back on our regular schedule, 1 to 3 Eastern, 1 to 2 on Stadium's YouTube and on their channel. And then we'll be right here on Foul Territory's YouTube channel. Yes. Congrats to Christian Yelich, 10 years of service time. It's awesome. Way to go. Yelly, having a great year. Are we getting him on to celebrate? That's a Kratz thing. Kratz text him. Oh, good. I just I just put it out there. Manifest. See uh, Tuesday. Oh, we got Roger Clemens and J.D. Davis on Tuesday. And what? Ken. Let's go. Rock it. We'll have to sneak that in there right before we get out.
Time to swing for the fences on BetMGM, a new MLB free-to-play game for sweet prizes. Here's how to make it happen. Log into the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android. Play the BetMGM MLB free-to-play game until September 7, 2023. Be a batter and pick an area of the strike zone. Depending on the area of the zone you pick, you will get a single, double, triple home run or pop-out and receive the prize associated with that type of hit. You can play once per day. Prizing must be used on MLB and expires in 24 hours. Always bet responsibly. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 